Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Um, as we dig into God's Word, let's start by praying. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Please help us to listen to it this morning and to see just how powerful is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, sometimes the biggest and most powerful things in our world seem small and insignificant. Take the lowly mosquito. It is the most deadly animal in the whole world, with mozzie resulting in the deaths of over one million people every year, mostly due to malaria. Mosquitoes are small specks, really, and yet have a larger impact on this world than basically any other creature. Sometimes this is the way that we see Jesus' kingdom. We can't see it here on earth. And at times, the media and the government, that they try to tell us that Jesus' kingdom is small, insignificant, powerless. And when we see some of the kingdoms of this world, the powers of this world, well, it's easy for us to agree. It's easy for us to lose sight of just how powerful Jesus' kingdom is. See, Jesus' kingdom is stronger than all of the kingdoms of this world. Do you really see that as you look around you? Do you feel that as you see what feels like powerful movements in our world? against Jesus and against God's design for our lives? Do you feel this way as, as you hear about places in the world, you know, such as China, where, where the church has been forced underground? In Acts 12, we see a powerful kingdom. Herod's kingdom is powerful, and he sets his eyes on taking down Christians. But Jesus' kingdom is stronger than the kingdoms of this world. Last week we saw that Jesus is growing his kingdom by his people's preaching and generosity. It was Jesus who is growing his kingdom. And as opposition starts to appear in this week's passage, we see that the powers of this world stand no match against the power of our King Jesus. Today, we see Herod and his kingdom. But then we see him put up against a stronger king. And we'll finish by comparing these two opposing kingdoms. But let's start by thinking about Herod's kingdom. Let's read from verses 1 to 5. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. 
Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, there's lots of guys called Herod in the Bible, and they're all from the same family. The most famous one was Herod the Great, best known for slaughtering all babies under the age of two in an attempt to kill Jesus as a baby. And this Herod here is Herod Agrippa, Herod Agrippa I, and he's the grandson of Herod the Great. Now, King Herod Agrippa, he knows how to grow a kingdom. Earlier in his life, he spent a bunch of time in Rome after his father had been executed. And there he got to know and become friends with the future emperor Caligula. And so when Caligula came to power, Herod was made king of part of Herod the Great's original kingdom. And then over the next few years, his dominion grew as he rose in power and influence and saw other kings executed or banished by Rome. But Herod Agrippa has been seeing his kingdom grow and grow from the year 37 AD to what at this point now is around 44 AD. So what we're seeing today is happening there in around 44 AD, a bit over 10 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Herod, he wants to see his kingdom grow and grow. But suddenly, up comes a threat. Christians. And Herod knew that if the Christians continued to gain influence, problems would soon come. These Christians, he thought, would rise up against him, against all political opposition. That They'd be the cause of rioting in the streets. They might continue to spread their beliefs outside of Jerusalem and infect other Roman provinces. And if word got back to Rome that all this was happening in Herod's kingdom, it would not look good. And so Herod knew that these Christians were a threat. If he dealt with them poorly, well, Rome might take away his authority, like like some of the kings that he had actually taken the place of. But if he dealt with them wisely, he might be given actually even more power. And so we see more persecution starts. Herod puts to death James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder. And seeing the support that that received from the Jews, he grabs Peter also, the most vocal of these apostles, with the plan to put him to death. Herod is a strong king. He knows how to grow a kingdom. He'd been doing it for the 10 years before this. And and, and he sees a threat, and and poof, threat gone, right? Well, unfortunately, Herod doesn't know the king that he's up against. Herod doesn't know King Jesus. 
the king he, he's up against. And so he thinks that locking someone up will do the job. And he showed all of his power there, right? Having Peter guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And remember, this isn't for some mass murderer who's constantly shown his ability to fight against soldiers or anything like that. This is a fisherman. The fisherman for the past 10 years had been just telling people about Jesus. Now, potentially Herod thought that some of the other Christians were going to try and break in and, and break Peter out. But no. While Peter is there in prison, the people just sat back and prayed. They knew that they couldn't break Peter out themselves. They knew that they needed their king to act. We're at point two, a stronger king. See, we've already seen a bit of a hint at what's about to happen. Because Luke, the author of Acts, has alerted us to when this is happening. Back there in verse 3, this happened during the festival of unleavened bread, also known as the Passover. We heard a bit about the first Passover from our Old Testament reading, when God's people, the Israelites, were trapped in slavery to the Egyptians. But God told them they had to kill a lamb and paint its blood on the doorposts. And at the Passover, God freed them from their slavery. And so every year they would meet and kill another lamb for this festival of unleavened bread in order to celebrate and remember their freedom from slavery. And this happened every year and still happened to this day. But the last Passover that we heard about, the last Passover that was actually mentioned in the Bible, was a very special one, where it wasn't a lamb that was killed. It was a man. At Passover, almost 15 years before what we see in our passage today, Jesus hung on a cross, and was crucified. He was the lamb whose blood proclaimed freedom for the people. Because as Jesus died, freedom to slavery, to, to sin and death, was available in him. All who would join his kingdom have true and lasting freedom. And he rose again as the king of his kingdom. Passover is all about freedom. It's no coincidence then that on this Passover, what we see is a jailbreak. It's Passover time and Peter is lying there in prison. Sleeping. Let's read from verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. 
and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and followed me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. (laughs) Peter has no idea what's going on. He thinks he's being shown a vision. But like the Israelites as God led them out of Egypt, it's super clear here that Peter is not the one doing the work in his escape. It's not like Peter has been sitting in prison planning and plotting and trying to think of escape plans and and now one of them has paid off. No. Jesus has saved Peter. And Peter works that out in verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Jesus is far stronger than Herod. And he shows it in what seems like just an ordinary miracle, freeing someone from prison. But what's going on here? points us to a bigger story. See, with all of Herod's power and might, he can't even keep this fisherman imprisoned when Jesus gets involved. Jesus' kingdom is the kingdom of freedom. Freedom has been proclaimed in his name through his death on the cross. And he rose again to be the king of his kingdom. Herod's kingdom, which seems so strong and mighty that the world looks at and trembles, is nowhere near as powerful as this kingdom that can't be seen. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus, whose power extends far beyond Herod's earthly power. King Herod can plot and scheme and try to think of all number of ways to grow his kingdom. But by persecuting Christians, meaning stopping Jesus and stop him growing his kingdom. But they're not going to work because Jesus is stronger. It's like when we jump into the air. We can practice and jump higher or further or we can put more energy into it. We can do all sorts of things. But gravity is stronger. We're coming down. Herod can try all sorts of things to try and stop Jesus from growing his kingdom. But Jesus is stronger. His kingdom is going to grow. And you know, I think we learn a lot about Herod from his response to all this. Because when everyone wakes up and finds Peter missing, Herod ordered that the guards be executed. And now for those around that time who, who didn't know what had happened, this might have seemed like a sign of strength. These guards, they needed to be punished for for letting this man escape. 
But when we know what really happened, that this was Jesus showing his complete strength and authority over Herod, what we see is just a man desperate to cling to his power, lashing out in fear that there is someone stronger. See, earthly kings will, will try and grow their kingdom. That's what kings do. And yet sometimes God will enable their growth. And we see them grow and this kingdom gets, with its power gets bigger and bigger. And then it's easy to think that this is the most powerful thing. That Jesus' kingdom doesn't even stand a chance against this one. And yet the moment that they stand in opposition to King Jesus and his kingdom, well, they won't stand a chance. Jesus' kingdom is more powerful than the kingdoms of this world. We're at point three, opposing Jesus' kingdom. You see, at this point, we really have a choice to make about which kingdom we want to be a part of. Which kingdom do you think is going to last? Which king will win? The kingdoms of this world that, that look powerful to us now? Or Jesus' kingdom, which may look small and insignificant, but is far more powerful than those of this world. Jesus' kingdom is open and wants to welcome you in. If you're watching our live stream and you're not yet a part of Jesus' kingdom, well, the king himself is welcoming you in. Place your trust in the king who is stronger than every other. It may not seem like Jesus' kingdom is stronger and more powerful than anything else, but open your eyes to see just how powerful Jesus is. Come find freedom from slavery to sin and death in this kingdom. This is the kingdom that you want to be a part of. Because the kingdoms of this world will stand no match against King Jesus. And next week, we're going to see that. We're going to see the results of standing in opposition to the king. We know a bit from the Passover of what happens to the enemies of God's people. God didn't spare the Egyptians. And he won't spare Herod either. But to finish off our time, well, how are we called to respond to opposition? Because worldly kingdoms and powers, they still have influence and power today. Well, overwhelmingly, in response to this opposition, with Herod's kingdom opposing the Christians, opposing Jesus' kingdom, what we see the people do is pray. The people knew that there was only one who could actually save Peter from prison. They knew that. 
And so they asked God to rescue him. And you know what? He did. But the funny thing about it is that the people didn't actually seem to think that God was going to rescue Peter. The, the people, the other disciples, well, they needed a reminder of Jesus' power over earthly kingdoms and authorities too. You know, because I guess when all you're seeing is your friends and fellow Christians executed and imprisoned, well, it's easy to think that this earthly king with worldly power is stronger. Let's read from verses 12 to 17. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. So overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, oh, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he went and left for another place. All the people had been seeing the power of Herod and seeing the persecution that was coming. Their friends had been arrested. At least one had been executed. And so even as they hear that Jesus has freed their friends that they've been praying for, it's hard for them to believe it. But Jesus is stronger than Herod. Jesus can fight the kingdoms that stand against him. God can and will answer prayer. And no earthly kingdom or power or authority can stand against the power of God answering prayer. And so let me ask you, is prayer your response to opposition? When we feel opposition against Christianity, whether it's opposition to Christian living or, or God's design for relationships or even just following Jesus as king, when we feel that here in Australia, is your response prayer? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't write to our local members or have conversations with people or even go to protests or anything like that. I'm not denying that we should act and respond to these things as citizens of our country. But are you just relying on your own actions? Or are you responding in prayer? Because remember, the only one who can actually overcome opposition to Jesus' kingdom is Jesus himself. When we face opposition, let's go to the one who can help, 
the one who has proven himself to be stronger than these other kings. Because remember from last week, Jesus is the one growing his kingdom. He's not going to just step back and let some worldly opposition get in the way of his kingdom growing. And so we can trust that he will actually deal with it. And even further, as we look into the rest of our world and see many countries where it is harder to be a Christian than here in Australia, Open Doors tells us all about places like this. Places like North Korea, where the legal penalty for becoming a Christian is a death sentence. Or like Nigeria, where more Christians are killed for their faith than in any other country by Islamic extremist groups. As we look at these places and hear about the opposition to Jesus' kingdom, surely our hearts must be filled with a desire to pray, to pray to our King who can deal with it. Our King who is stronger and mightier than any power or authority that tries to stop Him. Friends, do you trust that Jesus is stronger than anything in our world that opposes Him? Do you get that? There is nobody Nothing that is more powerful than our king, who is the king of kings. Sometimes the biggest and most powerful things in our world seem small and insignificant. There is nothing truly small or insignificant about Jesus' kingdom. Even when it seems like the kingdoms of our world, have far more power and authority. Pray that God would open your eyes to see reality for what it is. Pray that God would help you to see that Jesus' kingdom is more powerful than all of the kingdoms of this world. Let's pray. Father, you have placed Jesus as the king of the world. He is our king. And we have freedom from slavery to sin and death through what he has done on the cross. Father, help us to trust that he is the king. That he is far greater and more powerful than anything that we can see that seems like it has power over him. Help us to trust him and look to him, even in times of oppression and hardship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.